Okay, let's begin. I am Lanice Antoine Shelley, and I'll be your host through constructive, healing-based conversations designed to illuminate the adoptee, parents, and the adoption curious. We center the topics around community, mentorship, leadership, and healing, so you get a multi-dimensional view that is ultimately empowering. These are the voices who could not speak when they were young. Okay, before we get into it, I wanted to share with you some new offerings. We've just partnered with Isaac Edder's company called Identity, who provides adoption consulting and short practical guide pamphlets, a practical guide to transracial adoption and a practical guide to black hair care. As a listener, you get 15% off. Just click the link in the show notes where you can find all references and hot topics that are talked about in each episode. And since you're listening, I just wanted to thank those of you who've rated and reviewed this podcast, because every five-star click helps remind these platforms that our work matters and helps me keep going. So those of you who are getting so much out of these conversations and have taken the 30 seconds to write a positive takeaway, I see you and I thank you. Those who haven't yet, now is the time, my love. Let's talk about it on Instagram after you go ahead and click five stars and write a review. Hello, how are you? Happy spring to you. This is a solo spring episode to kick off this season, (laughs) pun intended, this fourth season. Okay, I want to get into the deep pretty quick here, and we've plunged into this season And as you know, I like to slow down with some solo episodes every once in a while, and I think this will be the realest one yet. I want to talk about conflict avoidance and accountability. I'm going to give you the raw cut without names, locations, so those who may think it's you, it may not be, I don't know. (laughs) But buckle up, this is going to pierce you through. We all know people who avoid confronting issues directly by pretending things did not happen, changing the subject, or putting off the discussion until weeks, months, possibly years, and then it begins to fester in the body, showing up in aches and unexplained pains that are in the solar plexus, in the joints. You may even be the one who is conflict avoidant. That sounded judgy, I know, and I can't help it. I'm sorry. (laughs) But to be fair, we all swing towards avoidant at times, depending on the conflict, your emotional clarity in the moment, situation, or comfortability between you and the other person, right? Some people are like this sometimes, while others, like myself, occasionally may avoid a topic until I get my bearings, clear my head, settle my reactivity, and organize the outcome that I want. But generally speaking, I I default 
to being direct. You may resonate with this tidbit of transparency. My family is conflict avoidant. It's a conditioning. It's generational. It's cultural. Those of you who were brought up in cultures and households where people had robust disagreements then would sit down to dinner and muse over other things, other heart's desires. Central and South American Latin cultures are known for this. Some European countries such as Italy, Spain, France, Greece, a lot of ethnic groups on the continent of Africa are known to value a good debate, but don't take it personally afterwards. But here in the States, um, not so much. American culture tends to bury or avoid. Now, if this isn't your experience, I hear you. It's fine. But keep listening. This has been my conditioning. And I totally get that some of these are generalizations and there are always exceptions. Let's talk about what happens when people feel that their feelings will be met with silence or gaslighting, the denial that issues ever occurred. There is risk for that child to not know how to healthfully release emotions without lashing out. There is risk for habits of resentment and grudgefulness, the risk of being passive-aggressive and petty, not being able to let squabbles or mild disagreements go because they're in a constant loop of not feeling seen, heard or feeling victimized. There is risk of children growing up into people who just cut other people off, cut them out of their lives completely. That's something I used to boast about, actually. I easily, so easily, I could cut people out of my heart. Here one day and gone without a trace the next, and then I would just move on, bury it, deep within myself, not talk about it, and just move on. This, of course, is all for self-preservation. I get it. Because we have been taught that our feelings will not be safe or protected or acknowledged in the hands of those around us. Within the last few years, I have been working on nurturing a resilient disposition within relationships. It's hard. It's hard, friends. I get it. I'm someone that desperately needs people to say, I am sorry for me to move on. And they can't say, I'm sorry, you feel that way. Nope. Because that is not an apology. I need someone to own that they unequivocally inflicted harm, intentional or no, the harm impacted me. That is the only way I'm able to move on. And I know it's because so many years ago, no one acknowledged my grief as a child. So I hold on to so much now. No one said, Lanice, I'm sorry we changed your name. We changed your food. I'm sorry we mandated who you should love. And if me saying that triggers you, my friends, if that activated something in you for me to want an apology for my grief, you're missing the point. You missed it. Now listen closely. Two things can be true. I can acknowledge the privileges that I was afforded through my adoption and also know that others can acknowledge that essential things were lost during my adoption. 
I can also care for my adopters deeply and also hold them accountable like any biological child because we're equal for the missteps and wrongs committed during my childhood. I can call my mother and say, I love you. Thank you so much. And go on Facebook and DM my biological mother in Boston and tell her that I care for her too. I can acknowledge the privilege of my education, health, and resources, and in the same breath, say that I am still grieving the life I never knew. Paradoxes exist in adoption, and the sooner people make peace with that, the sooner we will create better practices. Adoption does not give people full reign to treat us adoptees any way they choose. Adoption does not automatically make adopters not racist, or fit to be caregivers at all. This is not a direct dig at my family, by the way. This is in response to what is happening with Colin Kaepernick. This is in response to my own arduous task of balancing relationships that are not working within my own familial structure. If you sense hurt in my voice, I am hurt. If you sense grief... I am also grieving. Stay with me. I told you it would be a raw day. (laughs) This solo episode is going in, so stay with me. I am grieving both the dream that I will never have, the desired relationship with my biological family, and I will most likely never have the desired relationship with my adoptive family if certain people do not meet me at the depth of work that I am putting on myself. Some people aren't ready to do the work and will never be ready. But I can grieve the vision that was never met and may never come to fruition in this lifetime. That is where my heart is, beloved. That is how I am feeling today and most days. And the majority of adoptees listening and those who I have met will see themselves in what it is that I am saying too. Which leads me to accountability. How do you hold people in life accountable without abandoning yourself? This has been a huge question for me. I've been doing a lot of inner child work, and I listened to a podcast called Feminist Wellness with Victoria Albina. This podcast is amazing. It has great insights on regulating your nervous system that has been conditioned to be ignored, to be repressed, to be suppressed, and and getting yourself to a place of homeostasis. Accountability is a huge buzzword now, but I believe few people truly understand what it means. I've had friends say unkind things because they disagree with me and just wrap it up in, I'm holding you accountable. Um, No, (laughs) you're projecting your truth. Merriam-Webster's definition is, the act of willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions. That is the definition of accountability. When you're in a tight situation where emotions are hot, either on your end or their end or both, 
I would not use the phrase, I'm holding you accountable. (laughs) It's way too inflammatory. It feels self-righteous for the person receiving it. However, I recommend de-escalating every single time. And the way you do that is by calling them in instead of calling them out on whatever action or behavior that is in question. Here's the Harvard University research definition on calling in versus calling out. Calling out is bringing public attention to an individual, a group, or organization's harm, harmful words, or behavior. Calling in is an invitation to a one-on-one or small group conversation to bring attention to an individual or group's harmful words or behavior, including bias, prejudice, microaggressions, and discrimination. Why would I call in or call out? To stop the perpetuation and negative effects of harmful words or behavior, to create a compassionate space for listening, understanding, offering new information, and correcting assumptions, to lean into having tough conversations with people in your sphere of influence, the individuals or groups you know personally. Now, saying I'm holding you accountable sounds more like calling out rather than calling in. Having compassion, empathy, creating an opportunity for restorative conversations. We already know that words matter and are living things that can uphold or harm. This distinction will help you de-escalate as you and I both forge and navigate personal relationships. So say to the beloved when you're in an argument, I'm going to call you in on this, or I'd like to call you in for a moment. Can you hear me out? That will create a space for restorative conversation instead of accusing someone of not taking responsibility for their actions or behavior. You don't want to make those assumptions. Lastly, what I've learned about accountability is that it is not a weapon. It is a tool. You don't always have to quit people or jobs or situations by ghosting. There are rare cases where you just need to extract yourself when physical, emotional, artistic, or or spiritual abuse occurs, right? I totally get it. And that has happened in my life too. However, for those like friends and family that are in our lives and most likely will remain in our lives, here's what's helped me. Address the behavior with a phone call or in-person conversation. Do not text. Oh, please, please. Don't text. Never text negative feelings. That has blown up in my face. My friends know. My family knows. Do not text me an inflammatory message, call me, (laughs) and I will do the same. If you need to text, get in the habit of saying first, I need space to think. I'll circle back. Or I'd love to chat about this. When's good for you? Or can we talk? Tonality can easily get misconstrued via text, and you don't want to add that layer onto what it is that you're trying to say. When in person, when you get yourselves on FaceTime or Zoom 
or at a coffee shop. (laughs) You share how you feel with I statements. I feel hurt. I feel angry. I feel confused because of this behavior. Again, I statements are less aggressive and you're taking accountability for yourself, for your feelings, right? Then give them the opportunity to speak uninterrupted. If they can't respond immediately, allow them time to process. Give them grace. We all process things at different rates and that's okay. But understand that in taking your time to process, the longer you keep the other person waiting for a response, the harder it becomes, the issue may fester and become corrosive. In short, you run the risk of making it worse. In respect and consideration for all parties, I would suggest a week at most if you're someone who needs to take time to process, who is a little conflict avoidant right? Really consider that the other person is still waiting for you to respond. And you are now running the risk of them feeling emotionally abandoned. Then after a week or a few days or a few hours, whatever it is for you, then you just dive in, folks. You just do it. I'm the first to admit, I'm not a psychologist. (laughs) I'm not a psychologist. I know. These are some things I've learned from studying psychology and self-help books and and engaging with copious amounts of ways in which to better myself and better my relationships with other people. So take it, take it as you will. Whether my qualm is with a person, a job, or my cat, I state how I feel, give them a chance for change, for a changed behavior. Now that is essential. Give them a chance. If they cannot validate in their response how you feel or give you changed behavior, then assess whether this situation or this person is safe and take it from there. But now you have way more information, my friend. Accountability is not an indictment or punishment. It is an opportunity for change. This era of cancel culture has taught us a very toxic way of approaching accountability. But we can take our own personal responsibility in every situation that we're in. And we address it with I-forward statements. Statements, I feel this way, because of this behavior, we give the other person an opportunity for the benefit of the doubt, a benefit of changing shifting, pivoting, whatever behavior that has activated us. And then we take that information and we move from that space. We're not making assumptions about intentions or assuming that people understand us without without being clear as to our intentions. If you open yourself up to empathy for what the other person is going through, Have gentility for yourself as you process new information and courage for the next steps ahead. These relationships will be sustainable. They'll be manageable and they might even be delightful. And all of that while weighing in the cost of losing this person, right? What is the cost of these relationships? Is it too much? Sometimes it's too high. Sometimes it's, 
its costs, it costs more to have them in our life than to have them leave. Many of us are faced with the conundrum of, do I abandon myself and have them stay in my life? Or do I hold them accountable and have them possibly leave my life? It's incredibly challenging, and I'm not trying to oversimplify any of this, because trust me, I struggle with it too. And that's why I'm trying to give you actionable steps that you can implement in your life in order to save some of these relationships, salvage some of these relationships, because I understand firsthand how difficult it is. I also understand that the stakes are just higher in adoption, in adoptive families, in biological families, dealing with an adopted child. All of these questions that we might have about accountability, about abandoning myself versus keeping someone else happy, creating boundaries, these are the things that adoptees are constantly trying to weigh. That was a lot. (laughs) It was a lot. It was on my spirit. Thank you for sticking with me for this long. But it's a good primer, right, for what's to come. Vivid, honest, raw, uncut conversations this season, as they are every season. This past year, I've had the delight of getting to know many of you on Instagram. Let me know how you feel. How is your heart? What came up for you when you were listening to all of this? I'm going to be more present and engaged on the socials. I promise, promise. (laughs) My guest next week is a heavyweight when it comes to vulnerability. He's in the arena doing the work himself and then going out there sharing with everyone and forging a path for others. It's just incredible. It's so inspiring to behold his bravery and to hear his insights. I can't wait for you to hear it. Okay, see you soon. Another beautiful episode. Thank you so much for listening and thank you to my guest today. If you liked this episode, the best way to support me and this work is to write an iTunes review, a five-star review. (laughs) This helps us reach the top of searches and helps more people to find us. And if you personally want to connect, please reach out on Instagram or Facebook. And I have some great resource material on my website at laniceantoinshelly.com. So go on over there too. Until next we meet, go gently and have courage, my love.